welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. One of the most famous bridges that exist in the world is the Brooklyn Bridge. It's on the screen there behind me, or should be there, yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to visit. I have a chance to bend there and walk across it and actually drive across it as well. It's open in 1883, but it took 14 years to build. It spans 1,595 feet from the island of Manhattan to the borough of Brooklyn. Remarkably, today, it's held up by the exact same cable suspension system that was made in 1883. (laughs) Now, for some of you, it might make you a little nervous to do that, right? But millions of people go across it every day. That's a pretty well-made bridge, isn't it? But when it first opened in 1883, there was a lot of concern. There was a lot of worry, maybe like there is today. But to help with that, P.T. Barnum led a herd of 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge in 1884 to demonstrate the strength and the power of the bridge and how it's still standing in New York City all these years ago today. There's another bridge that I want to show you uh, back up there. It's called the Victorian Falls Bridge. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that awesome? That's kind of a bucket list for me. I'd like to go there sometime. It's on the Zambrine River between Zimbabwe and, and Zambia and Africa. That bridge was completed in 1905 and spans 650 feet over a 420-foot drop. I've also heard that you can bungee jump off that bridge. Anybody with me? We go bungee jump? How many, like, I ain't even getting close to that bridge, okay? (laughs) It's awesome, right? There's another bridge that's maybe not as famous, but it's maybe more infamous. It's the Sioux City Bridge that goes over I-29. Construction began in 1749 and will be completed right after Jesus returns, okay? (laughs) This is a bridge that it's been taking a long time, right? And it got actually got finished like a year ago and everybody was freaking out. They're like, I think Jesus might be coming back. Or maybe the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl or hell freezes over. One of those things because it finally got done. Well, and there's one more bridge I want to show you, and it's, it's much more common to us, and uh, that's our famous Meridian Bridge, just a couple blocks away. Little little humble brag here. I actually took that picture. <laughs> how cool is that? No filter or anything. This is several years ago. Look at how the sun was hitting the bridge, and I grabbed that picture. I just love that picture of our bridge. We're going to be celebrating the 100th anniversary of this bridge next year. It was built in 1924. If you don't know the history of that bridge, man, it's, it's really cool to hear and what how our community really banded together and made that. It was the first bridge to cross the Missouri River. It completed the Meridian Highway, which ran from Canada all the way to Mexico. Think about 100 years ago, how big of an accomplishment that was right here in Yankton. And many of you know in 2008, it was closed and turned into a walking bridge, but it's really kind of become the logo of our community. If you look all around Yankton, you see that bridge, don't you? And that's a really powerful thing. So if you're a guest or joining us online, we're in a series called The Bride And we're going to be wrapping it up today, and we've been talking about what it means to be the bride of Jesus Christ. But where am I going with this? And and talking about bridges, I want to unpack that for you. But before I do, I want to recommend to you guys, if you miss this series or or miss some of it, go to our website, yankton.church. Go to our podcast. Really kind of catch up on this, because you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie, okay? And we want to catch you up on this. but, But basically, the other thing I want to remind you, if you've been here and you've been part of this series... Remember that 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 website, 
our YouTube channel, our podcast, that really should serve as a library for you, right? So you can go back and you can listen to those things. You can understand it, listen to it again. I always say this. I'm sure many of us, if we showed our hands, we'd probably stream some things on Netflix or Hulu or HBO. How about we stream a little Jesus in our lives? Probably make our lives a little better, right? That's what that is there for. But to kind of end this series and kind of wrap it up for you today, we're going to talk about bridges. And in doing that, I want to share with you a story that I don't know if you've heard this before. There was two brothers older brother, younger brother, they owned a lot of land. And uh, they, they had worked together for over 40 years, had a great partnership. But like so many times in life, they had a disagreement. They had a falling out. They had a, a problem that arose, and they couldn't reconcile it. And they owned a lot of land. Again, the land bordered each other. And so the younger brother decided he was going to stick it to his older brother. And he got a big bulldozer to come in, and he actually bulldozed a giant trench <laughs> on the border between the two lands and made this giant trench between the two farms. And uh, this was a, a obviously up, upset the older brother, frustrated him as well. So the older brother's like, okay, I'll get back at the younger brother. And so what he did is he had a big pile of wood behind his, his house. He hired a guy. He told the guy, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to get back at my younger brother for doing this. I want you to take all this wood, and I want you to build an eight-foot-high fence the whole length of my land. And I'm, I'm going to get back at my brother for that. And so the older brother went away for a while, came back over. But when he returned, he found the man didn't build a fence. Instead, the man took that wood and built a bridge across that divide. And as the older brother returned, what he saw was his younger brother, who was waiting for his older brother to come back. His younger brother walked across that bridge, put his arm around him, and he said, Man, I'm so sorry. After all I've done to you and how I made this big mess, for you to go ahead and build a bridge and build that connection between us, man, that was important. That was powerful. And the older brother was a little you know, confused by that, but realized what the man had done for them. Why do I tell you that, church? Man, if I could say something to you, as a bride of Jesus Christ, our role, our job is to be bridge builders. When it comes to following Jesus Christ, this entire series, if I could sum it up for you in one phrase, is this question, am I a bridge builder? Am I a bridge builder? See, there's all kinds of bridges. Bridges are made of stone, made of wood, made of steel. Some are big, some are small. But church, all bridges have the exact same function, the same purpose. There's a divide between two places, and we want to make an easy, simple connection that you can cross that divide without any harm, without getting wet, without getting... You with me on this? What we're supposed to be is we are to be bridge builders. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are in the bridge building business with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your kids, with those people that just drive you crazy, right? Maybe with your enemy. Maybe somebody who's done something hurtful and mean to you. We need to be bridge builders. And here's the thing. When it comes to being the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, I think we can do better about building bridges. There's a guy by the name of John Schott, and he's had a quote I want to share with you. What I believe to be one of the major tragedies in the church today, namely that evangelicals are biblical but not contemporary, while liberals are contemporary but not biblical. Listen to what he says. And almost nobody is building bridges and relating the biblical text to the modern context. Church, I'm going to say it again. You hear me say it a lot today. As followers of Jesus Christ, you are either a bridge or you are a gap. You've got to decide which one you are. And most churches, unfortunately, they've got a giant moat that they dig around them. 
And they say, okay, if you want to come in, you better do this. You better stop doing this. You better start doing this. And if you are able to jump through all these hoops and jump through all these lines, then you can come in and you can be a part of that. Church, that's not building bridges. That's building gaps. I'm going to say something that might be kind of controversial, but we're going to unpack this here today. My job is not to correct your behavior. My job is to connect you with other people and with Jesus. See, it is the job of the Holy Spirit to change somebody's life, not my job, not your job. It's estimated today that there are 170 million non-believers in the United States alone. If that doesn't break your heart, this should. Given that number, the United States of America is currently the third largest mission field on planet Earth. You think we're a Christian church nation? Think again. Third largest. Why is that? Six out of ten, six out of ten Americans say the church today is completely irrelevant. And I would say again, I'm 45 years old. I spent my entire life in the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I'm an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to be happening this June. I'm going to say it to you again. We can do better. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have one job, and that's to be bridge builders. We are to see gaps, and we're to build a bridge over it in our relationships, in our families, in our lives. And how are we going to do that? So glad you asked. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And while you're going there, I want to set this up for you. If you're a guest, we've talked about the Apostle Paul and his letter to the church in Corinth. Paul was a church planner who traveled all around Asia and Europe during the first century, telling people about what it means to be the bride of Jesus Christ. And Corinth was one of the cities where he planted a church. And if you're not familiar with the city of Corinth, it was a city of great prominence, a city of great wealth, very active in culture. One may say that it was kind of the center of the whole Greek culture at that time. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like our country a little bit, right? And Paul was helping them with this idea of what it means to be bridge builders, not gap creators. And in 1 Corinthians 9, in the 19th verse, this is what Paul writes. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Church, this is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you are free. You are free from sin. You are free from judgment. You are free from persecution, from hardship. You are even free from death. When we belong to Christ and follow him, what Paul is saying, we belong to him, our faith is in him, we will never be disappointed. But Paul is saying something very interesting by saying this. In this freedom that we now have in Christ, I'm going to choose to become a slave again. Why would he do that? And he says it very clearly, to win as many as possible. If I could put it to you in our terms, Paul says, to be a bridge builder. I want to be a bridge builder. What does that look like, Paul? Verse 20. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. It's important you understand the context of what Paul's writing right here. Paul is a Jew. Paul was raised in the Jewish faith. In fact, in other letters Paul write, Paul would go on to describe how he was a Pharisee. He was like an ultra-Jew, okay? He was the Jewiest Jew of all the Jews, if you could say it that way, right? But he was saying, listen, I'm free in Christ." 
I'm no longer bound by the tradition. I'm no longer bound by the law. I have the freedom in Christ. Yet I will still choose to subject myself to that for my Jewish brothers and sisters. So why? So I can be a bridge builder. I don't want to put up gaps with my Jewish brothers and sisters. I want to be a bridge builder to win as many as possible to the freedom that comes in Christ. You with me, church? Paul goes on, verse 21. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Now again, it's important you understand Paul. I said he was a Jew. He very much grew up in that. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish Jew of all Jews. And God said, I want to take you. And instead of going to the Jews, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. I'm going to send you to non-Jewish people. You are my appointed minister to the Gentiles. And I don't know about you, but, but when I read God's word, it's alive to me. All right, And I imagine this was probably uncomfortable for Paul. Think about this. This is the guy who's lived his life by a certain creed, by a certain doctrine, by a certain set of rules. And God said, no, I'm not going to send you to what's familiar, Paul. I'm going to send you to what's unfamiliar, to people who are unlike you, people who do things that maybe you don't agree with, people that might rub you the wrong way, but you are the minister to them. I bet that was uncomfortable to him. And again, just to let you know kind of how mine works, I wonder what it was like when Paul had to eat his first pork sandwich. Because <laughs> okay? right? Paul hadn't eaten pigs his entire life. And he's going to reach these Gentiles, and he sits down for a meal with them, and they serve him a pork sandwich. And he looks at it, and he goes, Okay, God, <laughs> this is what you call. I'm going to go ahead and eat that. Now, I'm sure the first time he ate bacon, he didn't have the struggles, because bacon's God stuff, right? Amen, right? He was fine with the bacon, right? But do you understand? Do you understand what Paul is saying to you here? Listen, I'm a Jew. I understood this. I don't understand how Gentiles think God's called me to them, but I'm going to become like them because I am free in Christ. Yet around the Gentiles, he didn't let his Jewishness get in the way. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to win as many as possible to the freedom of Jesus Christ. If I could say it one more time, he wanted to be a bridge builder. I want to build a bridge for you to Jesus Christ. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means possible, I might save some. Paul understood that even though he would go to these extreme measures, some people would still reject him. And if I can fast forward to the end of Paul's life, just so you're aware, Paul was rejected by Jewish people. Paul was arrested by his own people. There was a riot in Jerusalem where he was literally almost pulled apart by his own people. He actually, there was a group of Jews who actually took a vow that said, we will neither eat nor drink until we kill Paul. They had a plot to assassinate him. They had lied and stealed so they could get to a place where they could kill this man. These are his own people. The ones that he was raised with, probably he served with, and this is how they're treating him. Even though he had done everything he possibly could to reach them with the gospel, he was still rejected by his own people. But it didn't stop there for Paul. Paul was rejected by the Gentiles. You know the people who he, weren't li he wasn't like? The people who God called him to be the minister to? Yes, he did save some of them. But this is what happened when it came to the Gentiles. He was arrested by them. The Romans kept him in prison. He nearly died in prison multiple times. He was shipped to Rome shipwrecked, almost died in the open sea, and would eventually be beheaded by the hand of Caesar to whom he appealed. 
Paul was rejected by his own Jewish people. Paul was rejected by his Gentiles who he had been called to, yet Paul continued to be faithful to the call that God had put on his life. Why did he do that? To win as many as possible. To be a bridge builder. In verse 23, if Paul had an epitaph, I think this would be on his tombstone. Corinthians 9, 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessing. Church, let me ask you one more time. As we're landing this plane of this series, am I a bridge builder? What does it look like to be a bridge builder in your life? Let me give you some examples. If you have group people in your life, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Man, we want to build a bridge for you. We want to make it as smooth as possible for you. But right now, I'm going to talk to the people in the room who say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. They put their hand up and say, I'm part of Celebrate Church. I'm following Jesus. So if you're not a believer, you get to listen in on this. This will be great for you, okay? But but here's the thing. My job and your job is not to lead people to Christ. It's not. My job and your job, we are wrong thinking. If we think our job is to lead somebody to Christ, our job is to help people build a bridge so they can meet Jesus. What's our vision statement, church? Say it with me. That was weak. I'm going to give you one more shot. We're a church of grace. I know I got you going lots of different directions right now, but we're going to try this one more time. What's our vision statement, church? We want people to do what? We want people to meet Jesus because we believe Jesus changes people. Jeff Todd doesn't change people. You with me on this? We want to build bridges so people can meet Jesus, and we're going to do that by being like Jesus. See, I would contend, and I would argue this time blue in the face, people in our culture love Jesus. They just don't like people who say they follow Jesus and don't act like Jesus. Are you with me, church? That's what we need to avoid being. That's what creates gaps instead of building bridges. They're tired of hearing what we're against. They're tired of hearing how wrong they are. Those are creating gaps, not bridges. So in the room today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how do we, like Paul, How do we build a bridge to those who aren't like Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you a story because I think this actually sums it up real nicely. There's a story about a pastor who phoned the home of some recent visitors to his church. So the voice on the other of the phone answered in a whisper, Hello. And the pastor said, Who is this? The whispered voice said, Jimmy. The pastor asked, How old are you, Jimmy? The voice said, Four. The pastor then asked, Jimmy, can I speak to your mom? To which Jimmy asked, she's busy. Well, then can I speak to your dad? He's busy too. Are there any other adults in your house, Jimmy? The police. Can I speak to one of the police? They're busy too. Now being kind of worried, the pastor said, okay, Jimmy, what are they all busy doing? And Jimmy says, they're looking for me. Now, we laugh, and we think that's cute. This is going to hurt, church. We're all busy. So one thing I hear more than anything else as a pastor, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Everybody look right here. Busy doing what? Because if we're not busy trying to reach lost people and build bridges, we're wasting our time. You know what I want to be? I want to be a church that likes Jimmy's parents and Jimmy's police, that all we're doing right now is looking for Jimmy. Because if you've ever been in the position where you've lost a child, ain't nothing more important in your life than finding where that little person is. Anybody else been there with me before? 
how much more important is every man, woman, and child to God that you see? What are you busy doing if you are not busy trying to find people and get them to Jesus Christ? And please hear this. I've said this before. You're like, I don't know what to say, Pastor. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. I get get all that. I get all that. I get all that. I get all that. Can you invite him to come here on Sunday? (laughs) Say, listen, I I, I have a church on Sunday that I go to. It's not just a place I go. It's not just a box I check. It's an awesome relationship with Jesus Christ that I have. And I want to introduce that to you. I want to be part of that. And the more like Jesus we are, the more intentional people are going to be like, I want to come and see that. You with me, church? And and please hear this. I've said this before, and it's something we need to work on. If you've invited somebody to come, and they keep saying no, keep saying no, keep saying no, be okay having this conversation. Stop inviting them to come, and just look at them and say, what is keeping you from coming? Because I guarantee you it's something. Put on your listening ears. Say, okay, I understand. What's keeping you from coming right now? What is it? And and I guarantee if you drill down deep enough and if you pray hard enough, they will find something in their life that's preventing them from coming. Maybe they've been hurt by the church in the past. Like, I don't even want to have anything to do with that. I don't care. I I had a conversation with somebody this week. That was what they said. I've been hurt by the church. And I thought, really? I said, I'm so so sorry that happened to you. I am. I, I get it. That wasn't okay. That's not this church, okay? I pastor a group of people that love you, and it's not. Are you going to treat, are you really going to say every church is this way because one or two churches hurt you? Are you serious about that? You with me? What is keeping you from coming? Because honestly, it might be us. (laughs) We might have to look in the mirror and say, listen, I hear you all the time say, oh, yeah, you go to celebrate. Oh, yeah, that's great. But I see this and this in your life. Help me understand that. Now, they might not be as direct as to answer that question that way, but if you listen, they will be, right? And it's okay. We need to be a church where it's okay saying, listen, you know what? You're right. Boy, I really failed in that area. Thank you so much for pointing that out to me. Maybe that's something I can do better at. Is that how the world typically responds to things? No way, right? Are you building a bridge? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to build bridges to people. And really listen to them. As Paul says, I became like the Gentiles. I'm not saying you go out to the bars and drink with your buddies. Don't hear me say that, okay? What I am saying is when you're in those environments, when you're in those situations, how can you be Jesus? What does that look like? I'm going to give you another tool. I already mentioned our website, our online website, our podcast, our YouTube channel. I would highly recommend, again, this is a tool for you guys to use. If you're here, maybe you're here today, maybe last week, and some message just kind of grabs you and really, really grabs you, send a text message. Take a link, take that link and forward it to somebody. Say, man, I really want you to hear this message. We live in the digital era. People check out things online before they go in person. We do it all the time, don't we? We did it last night. We went to a restaurant in Sioux Falls. We went online before we went to the restaurant. You with me on this? We need to use our website and our YouTube channel as a tool to help people build a bridge. And they look at me, and, and they'll find their pastor, and they'll say, man, that guy's good looking. We should just come look at him, right? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> we need to build bridges, not create gaps in there. All right, here's the second one. Am I a bridge builder? Am I a bridge builder? Not just to people who don't know Jesus Christ, but am I a bridge builder to other churches in our community? And I want to share something with you, and this is very personal for me. Because again, Paul said, I, to the Jews, I became like the Jews. To the Gentiles, I became like Gentiles. Why? So I could win as many as possible. So I could be a bridge builder. 
I shared this earlier, and you guys have heard me say it before. I've grown up in the church my entire life, 45 years. I've been following Jesus, and I'm super proud of that. I'm excited for what God's done. But if I can be honest with you, sometimes the church frustrates me. If I could just use some Paul terms for you, I'm a Jew, okay? I grew up in the church. I get it. And I want to be a church. Don't miss this. I want to be a church that if you were down at Mojo's last night, you would feel comfortable walking in our door Sunday morning. You with me on that? That's uncomfortable for me. I mentioned before, I've never drank a beer. I never smoked a cigarette. I'm Mr. Like squeaky clean, right? And this is who God's called me in this community is to reach people who are on church. So I wrestle with this and I'll try to build these bridges. But I'm going to tell you something even more important. That's something that I really wrestle with is building bridges to other churches. I'm going to get a little personal. And I want to share some things with you. So God has called me over the past three years to have active relationships with other churches. You've heard me say this before. When I first moved to Yankton, I was very strategic about building connections, building relationships. Once COVID happened, it changed a lot of things. And one of the things that it really changed is it really said, okay, what does it mean when churches work together? How does that look? What does that mean? And I'm not going to get into all the details, but it's been about a three and a half year journey for me to learn about what it means in our community to work together. And, and I'm going to say this because I'm going to unpack it for you. I got kind of frustrated because <laughs> I love the church. And I love other churches, I do. But there were times where I was kind of frustrated because I just didn't get it. I just didn't understand why that worked. And, and, and my heart, this is me confessing to you, my heart was like, I just kind of like, well, forget you guys, right? I'm just going to go and do what God's called me to do. And God wouldn't let me do that. God said, no, Jeff, I'm calling you to this community. You've got to work with the Jews and the Gentiles. You with me on this? You have to see that. And so I worked really hard the last three years to build bridges with other churches. I tell you all that to say this because God is awesome, isn't he? <laughs> so um, I got invited to be part of an organization called COAD. I'll explain what that means in a second. But um, it was one of these situations where I literally have no idea how I got in this situation. <laughs> okay? I got an email. I got invited to this meeting. I'm sitting in this meeting, and I'm looking around the room. And, and I know, uh, you know about two-thirds of the room just because of different organizations in the community that I've been involved with and that kind of thing. And I realized as I'm sitting in this room that I am the spiritual representation of Yankton, South Dakota in this room. I've been invited to do that. Okay? And I'm like, wow, God's pretty cool. <laughs> okay? I'm excited to be in this room and part of it. But I'm like, how did that happen? And I want to say that to you because I think a lot of it has been building these bridges. Now, where am I going with this? So COAD, so you understand what this means. COAD is Community Organizations Active in Disaster. Real simple. What would happen is if there was a tornado, if there was a flood in Yankton, right? How as we as a community, how do we respond to this? So there's a lot of different agencies that are involved in this. United Way is involved with this. Yankton County Emergency Services, Avera Hospital, all of the players that you think would be involved in this, Right. And they wanted the churches to be involved with this too, which is pretty cool. And so because of this, and again, I'm not going to go into details, but I'm going to just kind of give you the flyby. Over the last 30 days, we've been able to build a coalition of churches here in Yankton, South Dakota. And so you can understand, I just finalized it this last week. If there were a disaster, if there was a flood, if there was a tornado, a list of about um, 15 churches in Yankton are going to be immediately mobilized. Our people, we're one of those congregations, will be immediately mobilized to help out and be part of that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? And look at what, yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Here's where I struggle with it, all right? Because I'm in this meeting, and I'm like th listening to all these conversations, all these great organizations. We have a great community, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, but this is the job of the church, <laughs> 
The reason why our community has to step up and do this is because we as churches can do better. And so I'm so proud of what God's done through that, and now we're seeing that happen. Here's the second thing that I really struggled with. Why do we have to wait for a flood or a tornado to hit before we act like we need to be for Jesus? You with me on this? And again, I'm being a little crass here, but I hope you understand my heart. If, if a tornado hits somebody's house, it doesn't matter if they're Catholic, Baptist, or um, totally pagan. You with me on this? We're going to step up and we're going to help them. Why do we have to wait for that to happen? You with me on this? There's a disaster in our community. There's a drug disaster in our community right now. I've had the privilege of sitting in on lots of different court cases, and I was just in court last week, and every single case, every single case was drug involved. And I turned to the person next to me, and I said, isn't it ridiculous? Every single one of these cases involves drugs. Church, we have a drug crisis in our, in our community. It's not unique to Yankton, right? But why do we have to wait? Okay? We have a mental health disaster in our community right now. We have amazing organizations, and I love all the organizations that help out and help people with mental illness get from a place of struggle to a place of health. But isn't that the job of the church? Why do we have to wait? We have a poverty crisis in our community. And you've heard me talk about pathways and all the resources. But why do we have to wait for a disaster to happen before we start acting like Jesus? You with me on this? So I asked that question. So I say that to tell you this. Um, this last Tuesday, I had the privilege of sitting in, and I believe there was nine, possibly ten churches and other organizations that were in another meeting. Jesse from Pathways was there, um, myself and another church. And we shared with them, we said, hey, what if we continued to develop this network of care that we've been talking about? And continuing to help work together, if somebody's in a crisis, we help them with the crisis, but we also say, listen, you're a human being first, Right? And we care about your crisis, but we want to move you to a place of sustainability. We want to get you home. We want to get you food. We want to get you the help that you need. Oh, and by the way, if you meet Jesus, it's probably going to take care of all that, okay? <laughs> I'm just a little sarcastic, but are you with me on this? And so there's a group of people, a group of churches that are working together to make that happen. I tell you all that to say this. I had to be okay putting myself out there when it comes to churches. I had to be okay being misunderstood. I had to be okay leaving things unexplained. I had to be okay having disagreements with other people who I know love Jesus. But I'm going to trust that God is at work in doing this. And we're starting to see the results of that. Why do I do all that? For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because through that, we're going to save some people. There's some people that are going to meet Jesus because of that. We can build bridges between believers and non-believers, between Jews and Gentiles, as it were. And we do it all, just like Paul, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask you a question, church, and this is a loaded question. Are you guys coming with me to build bridges? Okay, I got one. That's great. Let's go. <laughs> I appreciate the hesitancy because here's what we're going to unpack now. And if you've got your note sheets, you're going to take this out because I'm going to tell you what it takes to build bridges. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. If you're waiting for easy, it's not going to happen. It's going to take these three things. And if you say, yes, I'm committed to this, okay, great. Let's start building bridges. Here's the first thing it's going to take. It's going to take time. It is going to take time. It's going to take investment in our time. I said it before. We were talking about how we're so busy and, and, and being busy stuff. This is what I want everyone in this room to do. If you said, yes, I'm going to be a bridge builder. Sometime this afternoon before you go to bed tonight, I want you to sit down. I want you to look at your calendar from last week. And I want you to categorize everything and decide, was I building a bridge or was I not building a bridge? 
And if what you were doing is not building a bridge, I really want you to consider looking at that and saying, why did I do that? Some of you might say, I don't have a calendar from last week. That's where you need to start this week, okay? Look at your calendar and plan it out and say, where am I going to be intentional about building bridges? And as a church, I'm just going to say this again because I love you with all my heart. Sometimes I think we give God this one hour a week on Sunday, and we think somehow we want God to pat us on the back. You know, God, the creator of the universe, you know, the one that gave us life, that gave us salvation, gave us all that. God, if I, I'm going to squeeze you in for one hour on Sunday as long as it's convenient for me. That's what the American church says, right? And if we do that, man, well, good job for me. Listen, if we want to be bridge builders, it's going to take longer than an hour on Sunday, okay, church? We need to be invested in what that means. It's going to take time. Here's the second thing it's going to take. It's going to take talent. And I'm not going to unpack this. I would encourage you to go back to week four. Andy did a fantastic job of unpacking this and understanding what it means to be our shape, our spiritual shape. Every single one of us has gifts, abilities, spiritual gifts, hearts, experiences that we can use to build bridges. God has equipped each of us in different ways to help build those bridges. Again, some of those are experiences, some of those are life spaces, whatever that may be. How can you use the talents that God has given you to be a bridge builder? Because again, it's not about you. Here's the last one. I told you this is going to hurt. It's going to take our time. It's going to take our talent, and you know the third T, if you've been here before, it's going to take our treasure. That is what God calls us to do. And, and again, I've said it before, go back to listen to our website, what is the difference between a tithe and an offering? If you don't know that, we're going to talk about that in life groups. It's going to understand that our treasure is where our heart is. Are we building up for ourselves treasure on this earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal? Are we going to build ourselves treasure in heaven? where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. And this is Jesus, not me. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, if we want to be bridge builders, it takes our time, it takes our talent, it takes our treasure. And just to land the plane on this series, I'm going to give you the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they bear witness of someone without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, every single man, woman, child is one day going to stand naked before our God and our Creator. Whether you believe in him or not, that's where we're all going to end up. And in that moment, church, and I've read this, and I'm going to read this because I think it's great. God isn't going to ask me what kind of car I drove, but he will most certainly ask me how many people I drove who needed transportation. God isn't going to ask me the square footage of my house, but he will definitely ask how many people I welcomed into my home. God isn't going to ask me about the clothes I had in my closet, but he will surely ask me how many people I helped clothe. God isn't going to ask me about my number of likes on social media, but he will ask me how many likes I gave to others. God isn't going to ask me how many gadgets I owned, but he will ask me if those gadgets ran my life. God isn't going to ask me how many promotions I received at work, but he will ask me how I promoted other people. God isn't going to ask me how many friends I had, but he will ask me how many people to whom I was a friend. God isn't going to ask me what I did to defend and protect my rights, 
but he will ask what I did to protect the rights of others. God isn't going to ask me what neighborhood I lived in, but he will ask me to whom was I a neighbor. Church, if I could just say it one more time, we are called as God's church to be bridge builders. A bridge is one function. It's to connect people when there's a gap between. We're either going to be a gap or we're going to be a bridge. Let's continue to build bridges. Let's pray. God, I echo the words of the Apostle Paul where he said, I have become all things to all people, so by the all means possible, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. God, I've said it over and over and over and over again, standing up here. There is nothing unique about what Elaine and I have done here in Yankton. We simply moved here with our boys. We've been working jobs our marriage, our kids, our families, all of those same things. Oh, and by the way, our number one focus while we're here is how can we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And God, over the past five years, you have done a tremendous work in this community, and we're so thankful for everything that you've done. God, we've reached people who were far from you, who said, I'd never come back to church, Lord, and now they're here and they're committed to that, Lord. God, you've reached people who've been in church their whole entire life and have said, yes, but now I want to make it more about reaching the lost people instead of about me. We're going to be like Jimmy's parents. <laughs> We're going to just look and seek and try to find and build as many bridges as we can. And God, I believe in this room right now with the people who are in this room, we have the time. God, we might not be able to dedicate 40 hours. Maybe, maybe that's an hour a week. Maybe it's an hour this week that you're going to say, okay, I'm going to dedicate this to building a bridge. I guarantee you we have that time in this room. God, I guarantee you in this room right now, we have the talent. God, and, and I, I thank you for all the people in this room, and so many of them I have a relationship with. I know their gifts and abilities, God. And let's come together as a church and equip and empower each other so that we can build bridges whatever that looks like in our lives. And God, I know in this room, we have the treasure. Jesus, you took a little boy's lunch. You took two little fish and five loaves of bread, and you fed the multitudes with it. God, you're not concerned with budgets. You're not concerned with buildings. You're not concerned with butts and seats. All you care about is, do we trust you really? And there's only two places we can build treasure. It's here on earth or here in heaven. And God, I know that we can build it here on earth. And God, I thank you so much for the, for the community organizations, God, the COAD team and the Unite Us, God, with the different churches and the relationships, God. And I thank you that after five years of praying and, and honestly frustration, you've started to open some doors and moved in our community so churches can come alongside in a time of disaster and say, we are going to stand up and we are going to be the church that you called us to be. But God, I'm begging you, let's not wait for a disaster. God, let's stand up and say, we care about people now. We care about those who are struggling with drug addiction. God, we care about those struggling with mental health. 
God, we care about those who are struggling with, with court systems and, and justice-involved people. God, we are going to step up and we're going to be your church in this community. We are going to build bridges. Even with people we don't like. <laughs> Even with people we might not agree with. Because that's what you called. God, we can do all this for the sake of the gospel. That we become all things for all people so that by all means possible, we might save some. And God, I thank you that I paid the pastor a church that gets it, who understands what it means to do this. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.